Welcome, everybody, to episode 320 of Fergo and the Freak. My name is the Glorious League Freak. I had to go to Glorious School to get that title. But with me is the most controversial guest we have, without question. It's Nadine. Hi, Nadine. Hi. Controversial. Yes, it seems that way recently. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Excellent. It's been an interesting few days in rugby league land. Yeah, we got a stadium uh, announced that we deserve, quite frankly. Absolutely. And, you know, we called for it. We did. It's funny because I saw the Western Weekender. They've been talking about this stadium for a long time. And then Channel 9 said it eventually, and they said it was an exclusive, which was pretty funny. But once again, the Fergan Freak podcast ahead of the curve when it comes to the mainstream media. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a whole episode. If you go back, I think it was about eight episodes now, you can see me and Nadine where you can listen to it. I guess you could see it on some level if you're in the Matrix. But if uh, you want to listen to what we think should be in that stadium, and it's all very conservative from our point of view, um, go and check it out. But, yeah, and the, the weird thing, well, the interesting thing is that it looks like it's going to be 25000 to 30000 which... I know you wanted a smaller stadium, mm. so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's really interesting. I think one of the the key things is of that amount, mm-hmm. how much is corporates mm-hmm. um, slash media, because that all that all gets factored into seating capacities. Yeah. Um, personally, I think at twenty, you know, sitting at that twenty five is probably better. However, if the intention is for that stadium to become uh, a beacon for other, whether that be, and I, you know, I know we discussed this the last time we spoke about the stadiums, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it be for soccer matches or whether that be for, you know, concert events or, or the like. Yeah. Um, I, I can understand the thought process around having something on the larger side of things. So, um, you know, obviously Panthers are the anchor tenant for that particular stadium. Um, I know there was quite a lot of discussion last night on Twitter off the back of this, uh, these reports that, you know, Panthers own the stadium. They don't actually own the stadium. No. Um, Penrith Council owns the stadium and the Panthers are the anchor tenant. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see once it is built, what are the other kinds of events that could be attracted, you know, to the venue itself? Yeah, and like people probably don't realise it, that there is rugby league being played there almost all the time. Like they play lower grades, they play junior competitions, they play junior grand finals and things like that there. Um, I was actually the water runner in a a junior school competition once um, that was played at Penrith Footy Stadium. So it's it always gets used for something. Um mm. But I also think I like the idea of future-proofing it as well. So if you've got a 30,000-seat stadium, like as the Panther, and I think that when we get our brand-new stadium that we thoroughly deserve, that our season ticket numbers will go up and our, therefore our crowds will go up and the crowd numbers are great as it is. So I tend to think that if we got a 25,000-seat stadium, we'd very quickly be saying, oh, man, it would be good if they'd put another 5,000 in here. Um, and the other thing to look at too is that you've got all of this 
development that's happening in in western sydney especially with the airport area and and all that sort of thing and look if i was the panthers i would be saying the west tigers can get stuffed we're targeting this area we're going to try and make it our area and uh so that's why i think having a bigger stadium would be pretty handy yeah it's uh and that's certainly something that's been spoken about in some of the press uh, releases and, and media reports since mm. this was announced late yesterday, specifically around the, the growth for the airport and, and associated with the airport. But, yeah, I agree that if the Tigers are not going to take advantage of that Campbelltown, you know, region, mm. then it's ripe for the picking. Um, yeah. I think the other thing that you will see as well is where – uh, the A-League season and the NRL season overlaps, or, yeah. albeit very briefly. Um, you know, you could see the Western Sydney Wanderers potentially using that new stadium as well if there ends up being conflicts um, in terms of, you know, uh, availability of Bankwest Stadium and things like mm-hmm. that as well. But it also gives you another option, you know, if they're looking at doing Pacific tests, um you know, if they want to do a, a, a sevens comp, mm-hmm. you know, it just gives you another option um, in Sydney that you can host that at where you don't have the 40,000-seat stadium at Moore Park. You obviously don't need to use the 80,000-seat stadium at Sydney Olympic Park. You know, so you've got Parramatta and, and Penrith then as some really good options for those kinds of more boutique-style competitions. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a like it's a, it feels like a no-brainer to me, especially for a a place that is going to be used and and to its potential. Like you look at the Sydney Football Stadium that they they're rebuilding at the moment, it's going to be a beautiful stadium that is going to be empty the vast majority of times it's used, and you know that's just not going to be the case for a thirty thousand seat stadium at Penrith. It is going to be you know, very close to capacity for a lot of NRL games. Mm-hmm. And any time they decide to play it, I mean, can you imagine a, a test match for Australia played at Penrith? They just sell it out. Oh, 100%. It's yeah. it's really exciting. I know, you know, in the last 10 or so years, they've played some Matildas games um, out here and they've been really popular mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, so I think the, the opportunities, it opens up opportunities and, that's what we don't know. So at the moment, everyone is uh, being quite narrow-minded with regards to their dislike of this particular announcement and why Brookvale or Cogra or Leichhardt or Campbelltown or whatever has appearing to miss out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what they're obviously not seeing is what are the opportunities that will come as a result of this. Um, I think Campbelltown probably could be the only one that might feel genuinely uh, upset mm-hmm. um, because I think that's that would be another growth area and another good opportunity to have, you know, a 20 to 25,000 seater mm-hmm. where you still get, you know, the Pacific Island test would be a great idea. You know, sevens comps would be a great idea, you know, particularly women's soccer at the moment, great idea. They've obviously got the um, soccer team down there as well. So, yeah, you know, they could feel, yeah, they could feel a little bit hard done by that uh, it appears that they're not getting something um, of this magnitude. Um, but 
you know, this has been a decade of negotiations or a decade plus of negotiations um, by all levels of government and and the Panthers, um, you know, and perseverance is paying off. Yeah, and, and the, the moves have been in place for a long time. Like, as soon as they said they were moving the tot- trotting track, I knew we were getting a stadium. And it, the, the other thing to remember from all of this is that it's uh, – it's very easy, you know, knock down the Panthers stadium, rebuild it or rebuild the new stadium next door. I, I personally, I think it'd be very cool to be playing on the same footprint as the current stadium. I think that'd be awesome, but I don't mind either one. Yeah. And, well, from what I understand, that is what will be happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which obviously forces Panthers uh, likely to bank West stadium for two seasons. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Lead me down the garden path. Um, yes, I do. What are they? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm. I actually think that given that, you know, Bankwest is obviously home to uh, geographically um, and traditionally the Panthers' biggest rivals, mm. um, I, I think that that stinks. Mm-hmm. However... If I look at the bigger picture and I put my business uh, hat on, uh, I can understand why geographically it's the closest, obviously, um, and that in Campbelltown. Frankly, you're not taking games to Campbelltown because it doesn't have the infrastructure to support, mm-hmm. I think, what the Panthers are going to want to do. And taking games to Bankwest also shows corporates and sponsors you know, this is the kind of thing, and fans obviously generally, but this is the kind of thing that you could expect or you will, you can expect mm-hmm. you will be able to get once the new Panther Stadium is operational. So it will absolutely be used as a selling point in that regard um, as to, you know, come and join us, be one of us, whether it's a member, whether it's a sponsor, um, you know, with a, that vision of, you know, this is what you can expect and more. Uh, from our new stadium in you know 2025. Yeah, and, and the corporate side of things is is as important as anything in terms of the preview aspect as well. Where like the new stadium that they build at Penrith is going to be at the very least the exact same quality as the one at Parramatta Stadium. You know, if there's slight upgrades and things like that that they've worked out in the last few years, you know, they might incorporate those, but the, the new level that at the corporate sponsors and things like that, um, that's going to be important. And that's going to be a selling feature of, you know, you th- like enjoy this at, pa- at Parramatta Stadium and start getting ready to buy your corporate boxes at Penrith Stadium because it's going to be even better. Absolutely. I know, I mean, I know this season, um, from what I've heard, uh, they've basically had to say to some people who wanted to, by you know corporate boxes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we're full. Yeah. Um, there's there's a waiting list at the moment for either corporate boxes or even the open air boxes. They they got some open air boxes this season, mm-hmm. um, and obviously that's off the back of a very successful year last year. And everybody wants to be on you know on the bandwagon. I totally understand that, but to be able to not have to potentially turn those sponsors and, and corporate partners away is a huge advantage. Um, talking last night at home about this, my 13-year-old daughter said, oh, well, I hope they give us better toilets. 
Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that was her biggest issue was that the toilet facilities at the current stadium are very subpar. Um, mm. <laughs> so I thought that was very interesting. Um, obviously, one of my big bugbears is, as most people's are, uh, is food and beverage and the the lack of offering and uh, how long you wait in line for any of those things Anything, um, yeah. is, is frightening. And you think this season Panthers have sold out every game so mm-hmm. far that they've played at home. Obviously there's been reduced capacity um, and it would it's frightening to think that if we were able to accommodate the eighteen to 20,000 that – the stadium could accommodate how much worse that would be yeah um, it's terrible so you know that will be a massive step up in terms of um game day experience uh for panthers supporters 100 percent. and and it's funny because we're trying to get supporters to games and we talked about this in the last episode that the little things that you think about when it comes to the footy and even your daughter is like Ah oh, man, the toilets are terrible at the football. And if you can remove as many of those things out of it as you can, if you can make the parking good, if you can make the food and beverage good, if you can make the toilets good, if you can make the viewing, it, there's no reason to not go to the football all of a sudden. You know? Correct. It's going to be a, a very cool, very exciting time. Get there easy, get some to eat, watch a good game of footy and then go home and it's easy enough. If you can remove all of those things, you get more people at the games. And that's why I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if the first season there, it's almost a sellout every week just Mm. because people will want to go and check out the stadium. And then when they see, like anybody that's been to Bank West Stadium just once to watch a game of football, the viewing experience is so unreal that you're like, oh, man, I wish my team had a stadium like this and because I would be a season ticket holder every single year without question. And uh, that's what that's what the new goal is for all these teams. And I understand that there's some teams and supporters of other clubs that are upset, Manly, West Tigers, the Bulldogs even and stuff. The thing they've got to remember is that their teams are shit and they're, they're, they're ratchet teams in this, this competition. They're a lower grade, lower class citizens of this competition compared to Penrith. And they don't have the same success. They don't have the same money. They don't have the same supporter base. And they're just not as good overall. And I just hope that all their supporters know that in their soul now. I feel like I'm talking to Buzz Rothfield. <laughs> How dare you? I'm not about <laughs> to fall asleep. <laughs> no, you're calling for all those teams to go into a second-tier competition. They should. If we relegated the West Tigers, what would we have lost for the last 10 years? Fodder. Exactly. Comedy. Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> Something for us to talk about. <laughs> Did you watch the game last night? I watched the first half. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you needed to see. Yeah, frankly, that was 40 minutes too much or yeah. 30 minutes too much. Although, to be fair, I must say, I thought the uh, – at half time, I actually said to my husband, oh, my God, what are Souths doing? They're only winning 18-0. Obviously, mm-hmm. they turned it on in the second half. Um, but the Broncos are uh, – bas- basket case is actually too polite of a word, as is dumpster fire – there are some deep-set systemic problems 
happening in and around that organization. Yeah. And I think that this is the only problem I had with uh, Kevin Walters coming in as coach is that I felt like the Broncos need almost like when you're flipping a house, you need to tear a lot of the shit out and it's going to look terrible to begin with. But then you start adding to it. And I feel as though because the expectations that have been put on him and you know, the players that he thought he was going to be building around, a lot of them have chosen to leave for mm. next year. Mm-hmm. And the bringing in of uh, Carmichael Hunt, I think, is a huge red flag in terms of they're trying to tread water and they're treading water in 16th place. Yeah. And, and like, so what are we doing here? Like, I would rather lose by 48 points with a, a younger team and see what you've got ahead of you then, you know, losing by 48 points and, you know, Carmichael Hunt's still not the answer, you know, and and they're going to get Reynolds next year. But, and I said this last year, how many more games like this does Payne Haas play before he's like, man, I could go anywhere else and apart from the West Tigers and, <laughs> ha, you know, have something to look forward to and, and know that there's something really good ahead of me. Because right now at this team, I mean, I look at their the Broncos players and I think, man, Xavier Coates is a pretty handy player. Well, he's going. Tom Deard and he will. I don't know about Tom Deard in yet, but he's already going. It, there's just so many players in their team. I mean, they lost Fafida last year. Who they I, would they pay a million bucks right now for Fafida? I bet they would. Yeah, they would. You know. And, and that's the problem. The Broncos now, and I know we've spoken about this before and I've certainly spoken about it with a number of people, is they find themselves in the uh, unenviable and unfamiliar position mm. of having to pay overs to get people to the club because nobody wants to go there. Yeah. Um, and you know they don't know what to do with that. It, it's so unfamiliar to them that they genuinely don't know what to do, which is why everything is so reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, the Carmichael Hunt thing, as you've said, case in point, um, nobody else wants to go there. So let's bring back somebody else who, what um, mm. is all I have to say about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I'm Look, Tavita Pangai Jr. has been subpar this year. Mm-hmm. Um Get the right coach, and I'm not saying that Kevy is or isn't for this purpose, but just, you know, in terms of him as a person, um, you get the right coach for him and it will he will unlock and he will be a beast. Yeah. But something – so who who is that? Is it Kevy? Is it not Kevy? Is it, you know, if Kevy is uh, where the Broncos are putting all their eggs, then make sure that Kevy's got a support team or at least one of those people – knows how to unlock Payne Haas, Tavita Pangai Jr., um, you know, even, I mean, Matt Lodge if you wanted to hold on to him. Like, do you know what I mean? But unlock those mm. guys so that they can go out there and be beasts, like get that forward momentum going because at least that shows some commitment. It shows yeah. some desire, It you know, and, and it unlocks their potential. Um, the fact that they have said, mm, you can go and look elsewhere next year, um, if nobody comes to the party, which I don't think will be the case, um, where does that leave him? Like you turn around and you think, well, hang on, I'm not good enough to be here. You said I can go and test the market. I don't, you know, I, I'm not welcome here. So 
Mm-hmm. What's that about? And yeah. I just find that that's it's fascinating. And I know that, you know, Kevy's come out and said, you know, everybody's under review, myself included, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's all well and good, but are you sacking the entire team? Because exactly. unless you are quite literally sacking everybody and rebuilding like you are a brand new club, that statement means nothing. And the other thing to keep in mind too is that, you know, I know some of them are, but not all players are stupid. And the one thing they do know is rugby league. And if you're someone like Tavita Pangai Jr. And like three years ago or two years ago, you are in a team that everyone's saying, man, if they keep this team together, they're going to be ridiculous down the road. And now all of a sudden he's playing in a team where they're looking at Albert Kelly and Carmichael Hunt as your halves. And, you know, you had David Fafita and he got out of there. And then they've got Xavier Coates. He got the hell out of there. You know, Tom Dearden, he got the hell out of there. Uh, Payne Haas looked disinterested until Origin and he's come back from Origin. And it's like he's been like, oh, yeah, that's what it's like to play in a decent team. And he's a monster again. Like, you know, if you're Pangai Jr., who would be in demand, like if Penrith signed Pangai Jr., and I know we don't need him. I would be like, we just got to steal, you know? Mm. Like, he has the ability to be an unbelievable game-breaking player, Mm -hmm. but he's in a terrible environment right now, and he knows it. That's right. Exactly right. And and this is where they, you know, people also talk about players who just stay one season or two seasons too long at a particular club. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, and this is totally okay, players need to go to a different system. They need to experience different things in order for them to grow. And and that's okay. You know, don't get me wrong. We all love seeing um, franchise players, as the NFL would call them. Um, Mm. We all love seeing that. But there are times when they're not, there are times, this is a business and people get moved on and move on all the time as is the case in any other business right across the world. Um, And, yeah, perhaps what Pangai needs is somebody to help him unlock that. Could you imagine him in Melbourne? Uh, Oh, my gosh. That would actually be frightening. Yeah, I'd be, I'd like, that would be one of those signings where I'd I'd feel sick. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. So, yeah, look, it's funny. I I do feel for him. because it looks like he's become the face of this clean out. Mm. Um, and it's not him. You no. know, it's not his fault. Yes, he's been lazy this season, um, I think by his own standards probably. Mm-hmm. But what's he what's he got to work with? Yeah. We also yeah. don't know what direction is he being given by the coaching staff. What is the role that he is being given on game day to do? You know, like all of those things come into play. So, yeah, really interesting times ahead at the Broncos. And you look at who's coached him for his career and and you're like, this this guy has never had an experienced coach, Mm. you know, and and he doesn't even know what experienced coaching is at this point. Um, And I agree with you. Like if he ended up, I'd love to see him somewhere like North Queensland alongside Jason Tamalolo where those two would just be – a nightmare. An what absolute, a force. Oh, it'd be crazy. And there's so many clubs, like, and that's the thing. You put him in most clubs, he's going to be better for it, apart from the West Tigers. Um, it's just he's going to end up somewhere else. And 
who are they going to replace him with? Like, is Brad Thorne still able to put on footy boots? Maybe they should bring him back too. Oh, I'm positive last night I heard a call for um, Corey Parker to put his boots on and get out there. <laughs> uh, and then this is the thing about the Broncos. There's this idea of like, and it happens with a lot of clubs have talked about it before where they're like, yeah, but we're different. We're special. Oh, let's bring back Carmichael Hunt because he's got that Broncos thing in him. And it's like, you're not special. You're not different. You're in the same competitive environment as every other club. And if you, as soon as you start thinking you're different, you win a wooden spoon. Correct. It's crazy. Now, there was a post that was put up by a betting company during the week and their question was, and it was sent to me by Tyrone. Tyrone's a, a follower of mine on Twitter and a, a listener of the podcast. And it had the 2003 grand final team, the Panthers one. And it said, how many of that team would make the current Panthers side? I thought it was an ask backwards question because mm-hmm. that 2003 team won the grand final. They were Clive, uh, not Clive Churchill medalists, but they were, uh, JJ Gilton and Shield winners, they, you know, they won everything. So they're the standard that we're trying to hit right now. So my thought was how many of our current team would get into that 2003 team? And not just like maybe like the locks that you would be like straight away him. He would be in the team. Now, it's a it's a really difficult question. It is a really difficult question. When you look at that 03 team. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous team. Yeah. My first thought was I have Cleary in for Gower 100%. Mm-hmm. What do you that's think? In, about? That's interesting. And why do you say that? I think Cleary is a better defender. I think Cleary is a better leader. I think Cleary has a way, way, way better kicking game. I think Cleary is a better playmaker. I think that for our playmaking and kicking in that 2003 team, Preston Campbell was the number one guy, and I thought Gower was extremely overrated in that sense, and I thought he was overrated for the most of his career. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very unpopular opinion. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> used to being out on that perch yeah yeah that's what look, I don't I don't disagree with that I I do think that um and if you're factoring in where they are in their careers at those these points in time Mm -hmm. absolutely I I totally agree I do think that um Nathan has started developing uh, and we've obviously seen it this season in particular. We did see it a little bit last year, but this season it's just been next level. Yeah. That ability to just slow everything down, you know. Yeah, and, and make the game play at his pace. Oh, he's just the, – the amount of time he has is insane. So, yeah, look, I for that purpose alone, um, yeah, look, I agree with that. Okay. Um Look at, uh, like, Wessa, I have Wessa. Absolutely, yes. No question. Tick. And then you, but, and the hard one for me was, like, you look at the wingers, Luke Lewis and Luke Rooney. Mm-hmm. You know, and Toto is a state of origin player. And I don't know that I can put him in there for those two because 
Lewis was a rep player, I think, even back then. And Rooney was, like, unbelievable. Two-try scorer in the grand final. Like, I can't. I can't. Yeah, that's that's a real flip of the coin. And if I'm using the same thought process around where we're, you know, as I did with Gower and Cleary, Mm. where are they in their careers? Well, Mm. you know, Toto's, you know, this season's obviously been a breakout season. I mean, last year he was a bit hot and cold. This season Mm. he's obviously just elevated. Um, uh, I think Rooney you'd absolutely keep in. I, I would be comfortable, quite honestly, flipping a coin for Lewis and Toto. And wherever it landed wouldn't bother me. And people, I I understand that completely because I think with what Rooney did in the grand final, you cannot drop him. Like he, and he was, I think at the time he was, uh, he did exactly what you needed him to do. And Lewis was a very good winger, but I think that To'o is at a higher level right now. And I completely agree with you that it's, literally a flip of the coin for those two. Yeah. Um, with the centres, Girdler stays, doesn't matter what, right? Yeah, 100%. But it's only for his looks, let's be honest. Absolute Cadillac. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was good looking, okay? Like if I'm a 9.8, is Gerd's a 10? Oh, it's, Gerd's is a 15, and I would even put Gerd's <laughs> in a team right now. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so Paul Fatuira, he I remember when he first got to Penrith, he could not defend at yeah. all. He'd become a pretty good defender by the time we are in the grand final. Um, I, Crichton or Burton, I'd be happy with them replacing him. I'd put Burton in. I would put Burton in as well. I think Burton gives you more playmaking, and as a centre, he is unbelievable. Mm. He's crazy. Absolutely. God, honestly, he is and we've seen in the last couple of weeks, so much better as a centre on that edge. Mm-hmm. It's uh, frightening. Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he, you know, we saw him at 5'8 the last couple of weeks and he was, he, he looked like somebody that needed time to get used to the role. He still did some pretty cool things. But as a centre, like if they played him at centre in origin, I'd be like, great, great choice. That's how good he's playing. Mm. Preston Absolutely. Campbell at number six. I have to stick with Preston Campbell. Yeah, I would agree with that. Our front rowers were Joel Clinton and Martin Lang. I I think Joel Clinton for for what was needed back then, and that was maybe his best season. I don't think he had a better season than 2003. I can't get rid of Joel Clinton. Mm-hmm. Martin Lang was more towards the end of his career at this point. You've got to have fish in this team. And that's what I'm thinking. I yeah. think fish for Martin Lang. Yeah, fish has absolutely got to be there. Yeah. Okay, we agree on that one. Luke Prittis, I can't change Luke Prittis. No. He was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Our back row of Joe Nullivau and Tony Pulitua, I can't change them either. Uh. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, shit. It's tough. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this back row, and then I was like, oh, look. Oh, no, can't take Sattler out. Can't oh, change Sattler, no. Like, no. 
You've got to have Yo. So Yo's got to be on the bench then. He'd have to Because you've got to have Yo in this team. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, So yeah. The back row, like, are we settled on Nullivau, Pulitur and Sattler? Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, Like, I can't can't get rid of any of them. So our bench. What is it with Panthers and being able to just have these rock-solid back rows? It's crazy, hey? Wow. It's incredible. Our bench in 2003, Ben Ross, I can't get rid of him. Yep. Trent Waterhouse. Get rid of that guy. God, he knew how to drop a football. Oh, see, I I was going to say I can't get rid of him off the bench. Well, because – so who are our other back rowers? So we've got Yo. So, okay, so – Think about this season. We've got, obviously, Yo, Martin, Lenu. Leota, although he plays front row, whatever, Leota. Mm-hmm. Um, Capewell. No, I wouldn't put Capewell in there. No. So of those other ones, Yo has to get in there. So he has to be on the bench somewhere. So I think, okay, so our back row, uh, uh, sorry, our bench in 2003 was Ben Ross, yep. Trent Waterhouse, Shane Rodney, and Luke Swain. Yeah. I feel like Shane Rodney gets – Replaced by Yo. Yep. And I feel like you could replace Luke Swain as well. Yep. But who do you replace? Like, do you? I, I can see a, a argument for different players. Like, I can see where you put Leota on the bench. I can see where you could pick Kickow. Although I think the last few weeks Kickow has been a bludger. Mm. Um. But I think that those two you could replace, and that's nothing against those players there. But they're just sixteen and seventeen in a, in a grand final winning team, and we're replacing them with starters basically. Yeah. For this part, like yeah. that's where we're at. Absolutely. Um, Trent Waterhouse, you would get rid of Waterhouse. Oh, that guy, honestly, he was so good for three or four shitty errors every game. He was, yeah. So I think well, he was. See, now that I say it, you're like, oh yeah. But like I, kick I, out. Honestly, it's like kick out. Flashes of brilliance. Yeah. Ro- absolute rocks and diamonds. Flashes of brilliance. But then, what were you thinking? Dropping that ball, going for that stupid offload. That's where I liked him better as a bench player in this year. Because when you become a starter, I feel like. And it might have just been he had more time to do mistakes. <laughs> but he, I liked the fact that he was a big dude. He had very good mobility for someone yep. his size. He did have a bit of ball playing in him. But as you say, it, it was you kept on waiting for the penny to drop and he becomes that player that you're hoping he becomes. And it never quite happened for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so... Look, if if you wanted to get rid of oh no, look, I'm happy to look. Um, given he actually had a fairly decent season that season, yeah, I think we leave him in there. Okay, but then we have Leota and Yo replacing Rodney okay. and Swain. Okay, so the the from the combined team and our combined selections, it would be Reese Wesser. Let's go with Brian to over Luke Lewis. Yep. Okay. Ryan Girdler, uh, Matt Burton. As the yep. other centre, Luke Rooney, Preston Campbell, um, Nathan Cleary, yep. Joel Clinton, Luke Prittis, uh, Fish, James Fisher-Harris, uh, Joe Nullivau, Tony Pulitua, Scott Sattler, 
Ben Ross, Trent Waterhouse, uh, Isaiah Yo, and who was the last one again? Uh, Leota. Leota. That's it. That's a and that side's. I mean, that side's a. You and you know what? That is yeah. one. That is almost fifty-fifty. Between yes, the two squads. it's pretty close. Yeah, I tell you, you know what you and me need to do. We need to do our all-time greatest, and we won't do it on this podcast. All-time greatest Panthers team ever. Oh wow! And but that's one I know we both need to think about. Yeah. Yeah, we can't do that on the spot. No. <laughs> That, um, that that will involve a lot of thought. Yeah, yeah, because there's some players that are going to be hard to leave out of mm-hmm. those teams. Um, okay, now on to something different. Uh, do these games over the state of origin period really count the NRL? Well, clearly they count because you get points if you win. Yes. However, um, <laughs> you know, given that Panthers were so dominant in the lead-up to state of origin and they've lost – well, they lost against the Tigers and then chose to still rest their players last week and lost against the Sharks. It appears the conversation is ramping up uh, again. I had Panthers not been as dominant. I don't know whether the conversation would be as uh, extreme as what it yeah. is right now. Yeah. Um, but as a purist, I origin in the middle of the season is all I know and I – do not mind it being in the middle of the season whatsoever. Um, we obviously saw last year as well that it doesn't work at the end of the season for a number of reasons. Um, so I'm happy for it to stay in the middle of the season. I have long thought, when I say long, I'm probably thinking three or four years, that pausing the season for three weeks, maybe four, and just pushing through a rep calendar Mm-hmm. which incorporates state of origin, Pacific, you know, test matches of some description, you know, like your Pacific Island nations or your, um, you know, your tier two nations mm-hmm. um, is the way to go. Uh, because what we are seeing is it is a dilution of the competition. You can't argue that it's not. Whether you are a traditionalist or not, the, the NRL season proper is diluted through this eight-week period give or take eight weeks. Um, so, yeah, that that's my where I think. Um, there's been a lot of discussion, obviously, about it and a lot of uh, mainstream media types are saying, well, by not having a regular season game at some point, you're giving a free kick to, uh, to AFL and soccer and blah, blah, you know, handball and dodgeball, whatever. Um <laughs> Uh, to me, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a ridiculous argument. If you have a properly structured rep calendar through that period, you're not giving a free kick to anybody and all you are going to do is actually help attract new markets because all of these, um, you know, fringe watchers who are like, oh, you know, hey, Tonga's playing, I want to watch Tonga mm-hmm. um, or I want to watch Jason Taumalolo play for you know, Tonga, mm-hmm. um, they're the ones that you then get in. So, you know, yeah. I think that that free kick argument is a moot point, to be honest. It and, just and needs it, to be ex- – if they were to go down this path, it needs to be executed well. That's where I feel it falls over. Yeah. <laughs> because and, and I have zero confidence that the NRL at this stage 
would actually end with, you know, the support of the um, International Rugby League mm-hmm. could actually formulate something that would work well. Yeah, and it's not complicated. Like it's, it, it it's really doesn't easy. feel like it's a complicated thing. I've just explained yeah. it in forty-five seconds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like I remember when I talked to Rugby League Week Mole, uh, it, it's going on about a year and a half ago now, I guess, and he was really upset about the effect the Origin had on the NRL competition. And I was, you know, I I was fine with it. I thought that. There were obviously positives and negatives. But then last year we didn't have that interruption and it was nice. It was really cool to have these teams just play straight through and not have those disruptions. And this season felt really natural and that was awesome. And Mm. I can't shake that feeling. And, of course, people are going to say, well, the Panthers had a great season. Of course you liked it. But just the overall, I thought the football was better because of it. I th- the teams were more settled and things like that. The, I think that there's a lot of merit, and I haven't. I've always thought that maybe we should have rep weekends and then NRL games between that. The idea of state of origin taking over for three weeks would, I mean, that would be unbelievable. Um, especially, and if you took it over four weeks, so that you had like some sort of qualification tournament, you know, between the Pacific Island nations and New Zealand, that would be amazing. And, like, what if the fourth week was Australia playing the best team of those? Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this idea of free kicks to other other sports, well, there's there's no free kicks to rugby union. It's dead here. Yeah. You know, what are we, free kicks to netball? All right, I'll concede that. <laughs> the <laughs> AFL would fucking bend over backwards to pretend that they even had the ability to play proper state of origin series and, and test matches over a month. They would love that. They can't do that. There's no free kick there. It would be showcasing what we can do in rugby league, which is have real international games over a month with State of Origin as well, it would be crazy. And if you did that after, say, you know, nine weeks of the NRL or ten weeks of the NRL, you play a month of rep football and then it's a straight shot through to the grand final, that's almost the length of season we had last year. Mm. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. I, I just I just don't think, yeah, it doesn't work now for a number of reasons. I, I just think if you... If you talk to people who live in England or those that follow the English Premier League, they are absolutely gobsmacked that we do not pause our competition to facilitate state of origin. Mm. Gobsmacked. Because that's what the English Premier League does. And I I see where, you know, it kind of come in that we did it this way and it's been this way for, for a very long time, basically since Origin started. But when the NRL was implemented, they kind of did it because they needed to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. They they had State of Origin, which was still making money, but they couldn't afford to not have club games being played. Now we can, yes. you know, and we're not cutting back a number of club games. Play the same number of club games if you've got to, but... 
you know, we've got the ability now to do things because the money is in the game. And I think we should do those things. And, you know, the other thing to think about as well is, I mean, all this talk about games on TV and broadcasters and how much they pay and blah, blah, blah. And and then the flip side of, um, you know, minimum breaks as dictated by the uh, collective bargaining agreement and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. There is no reason why you cannot shorten the regular season, have your rep month, whatever you want to call it, in the middle of the season. You're still going to get, as a broadcaster, you know, you're still going to get the same amount of games, if not more. Mm-hmm. And if you are a player that does not fall into any of the categories that dictates that you play in that month, well, you know, you get a break. So in yeah. terms of player welfare, um, hello, is that not addressing that? So it just, mm-hmm. the mind boggles that it's not being looked at in more detail. But as I said, I don't think that the powers that be can facilitate these conversations in the right way to get a, an appropriate landing point. Yeah, and like... I always was of the opinion that you put, like if you're a sport, you put together your season and then you sell it. You don't sell it and then have the person to buy it put your season together. That's not how it works. You know, the other thing about if we had a month of footy in in the middle of the season where we're playing all these international games, we don't then need to have a month and a half at the end of the season just for international games. Like you could have, you know, a team like New Zealand, they they might have already played four international games. By the time we get to the end of the year, they might only want to play one or two internationals, and that's fine. There'll be other teams, Australia might still look to tour because they'll have only had one international game after that month. But, you know, it, if just get the games played. And then exactly. when we get to the end of the year, if people need rests or teams need to take a break or something, that's cool. They've already played their games. We that, like they've done it. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's the way to go. Definitely with in, in terms of having as many rep games as possible, have Origin in there as well, and make it a big like representative rounds. It would be incredible. And if we did it all at once, and State of Origin was played over three straight weeks, it, it, no, no other sport in Australia would matter. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, the quality of football over this <laughs> last, especially month and a half, I think it's been absolutely crap. Um, and, and that's taken out of it the origin effects and stuff. I Like, we're seeing maybe one quality game per week that's close and then another game that's close but has been absolutely horrendous to watch. And the rest of the games have been blowouts, like... 30, 40, 50 point blowouts. Uh, do you think that the NRL should be absolutely terribly concerned? I think it depends on who you ask. Mm. Um, I have a feeling that this kind of attacking football is exactly what Peter Volandis wants to see. Women love um, it, he says. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I dislike seeing games being finished at half time mm-hmm. 
and, and being on the positive side of that ledger a number of times this season, um, it, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating for a number of reasons because if your team happens to be the team that's winning, obviously one of two things happen. You either kick on and it becomes an absolute cricket score mm-hmm. or you switch off and you start making fundamental errors and you're like, eh, whatever. And then as a fan, you get frustrated because you're like, what the hell is my team doing? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the flip side to that is, um, you know, you've the counterpoint being that a team plays poorly for the first half and then comes back in the second half and you think, oh, my God, well, where was that in the first half? What's going on here? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the crackdown, uh, for want of a better turn of phrase, is, look, I, I have no idea what is happening with that. Mm-hmm. It, it is so everywhere. It's everywhere. And I, the problem is everybody wants consistency and we're never going to get consistency because how you view something and how I view something or the same incident mm-hmm. is very different. So where I might look at a high shot, for example, and go, oh, you know what, attacking player contributed, fell into it, you know, defensive player I could see was set, et cetera, et cetera, penalty sufficient, move on. You might look at that and say, no, contact with the head off. And we obviously saw that last week with that ridiculous Mm -hmm. send-off for the Hetherington of the Broncos variety. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that was just insanity that that was Crazy. that ruling. Yeah. Um, but there's the problem. So by the letter of the law, based on the edit that the referees have been given, the referee did the right thing. However, what we are now seeing, and I don't disagree with this, are ref- is referees applying common sense mm-hmm. and taking into account the situation at hand, which I think is the better way to go. And is that not what was happening pre-magic round exactly and, and it's <laughs> so it feels it, like much ado about nothing we've had all this fair fair we've lost some big names for for a lot of games we've had players rubbed out of essentially probably the entire state of origin series um mm-hmm. because of what took place in magic round and the round after and yet what we're seeing now is almost back to what was happening pre-magic round based on certain referees, their level of experience, um, their level of respect, I suppose, for want Mm -hmm. of a a better word, that the players have for them as well. Um, Yeah, it's so muddled. And all of that is contributing to these blowout scores. Um, And and obviously it's deciding games. Somebody going to the bin for 10 minutes or being sent off is absolutely deciding football games. Yeah, and teams are getting absolutely thrashed while their players are off the field, and sometimes they're having two or three players off the field. You know, it's crazy, and it's between that, the six again calls, which I know they've dialed them back a bit, but rugby league was never, ever meant to be played with more than a a six-tackle set. Um, And I think we're seeing that this year where, you know, the game was dialed in from unlimited tackles. They changed that to four tackles and then we went six tackles and we're like oh this is a really good balance all of a sudden we've got a we've had a season and a half where teams are having like 18 tackle sets exactly and and it's not like a penalty stop you blow it up and stuff team gets to reset it's literally 18 tackle sets and that's not rugby league that's never meant to be rugby league 
and we're seeing like I was watching the game last night, half watching it after half time because game was over, and you know there was a, a hit up that the bunnies did off, and it was right near the end of the game, and the the hit up off of a kickoff, and the player running the ball back was in a head clash with the defender, and another defender had gone in low and he'd hit his head on his his uh, hip. And it's because everyone is stuffed because they're having to do all of this extra work that the game was never meant to have involved in it. And, you know, I, I just can't believe that you've got Volandis and Annesley running around saying, oh, look, I, I was right with everything. And the women, lo- I don't understand this. The women love it. Like, I, I don't get it, you know. Um Anytime you hear somebody say the women love it, they're always a jerk. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is in life, they're always a fucking douchebag. Um, but who are they to speak for the women I of the world? And what I women? I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, I've never, I've never talked to a single female in, that likes rugby league that doesn't love the brutal aspect of rugby league. Exactly. <sighs> Because they don't watch it to, you know, watch them play touch football. Yeah, yeah. They'd watch touch football if that was the case. Exactly. It'd be the most, you know, popular sport in Australia. And it's not for a reason. Um, I just don't understand the mindset of Volantis and and Annesley. They're so disconnected from the game. And the sooner they're gone, the better because... Man, they've really stuffed up rugby league really, really badly to the point where as as like diehard fans as you and me are, we're talking about, oh, yeah, I didn't watch the second half because it was done and, you know, it was crap. Yeah. Even in games our teams win, we're like, oh, yeah, we, we put in 15 good minutes, game was over, and then it was just rubbish. Yeah, it's it's not great. Terrible. Um, I won't keep you any longer. <laughs> what I mean by that is we've got 15 minutes. We can gas bag before you've got to go. So where can we find you? And I'm going to have you on the podcast again pretty soon. If yes. I can. Well, I can be found um, usually at Panther Stadium whenever there's a home game. Mm-hmm. Screaming at somebody, um, but yeah. in the, or pointing uh, out celebrities in the crowd. Pointing out celebrities in the crowd, <laughs> yes. Drawing up schematics for the new stadium. Yes. Um, and you'll need to go back and listen to the previous episodes about us talking about the stadium to understand that joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, you can find me on Twitter uh, at nlc081. Um, and don't forget to check out the Fergo and the Freak podcast Instagram account. Um, so, yeah, still tinkering with the best way to promote new episodes mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, um, particularly given that uh, Freaky likes to punch out a new episode every 35 minutes, it feels like. <laughs> um, no sooner have I put up a, a blast about an episode, there's a new episode. Oh, my God. Um, I like the way that I was like, do you, you're like, okay, I'm taking over the running of a, a rugby league podcast account. And then I'm like, Oh, here's an episode about the Kokoda trial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a very good episode. I very yeah, I much enjoyed it. the Kokoda track uh, episode. Um, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Mm. And I'm actually trying to convince my husband to do the Kokoda track. Not with me. He needs to go by himself. Um, <laughs> 
I will send him away. But, um, yeah, really fascinating. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that particular episode. Um, but, yeah, so go on to Instagram, like, follow, get all your friends to like and follow. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of interaction on there recently as well, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so give that a follow. And where can we find you? Uh, you can find me, if I'm not at a porto, I can be found on Twitter. My handle is at League Freak with no spaces. And, you know, then I guess my website, leaguefreak.com. And if you go to the website, you can see all of the places you can find me from there. It's really, it's really simple. Although there is a lot of places, but the main there one to follow is Twitter. Yeah, the main one's Twitter. I don't really, like I post my stuff on Facebook, but that's it. I'm on Facebook for 30 seconds while I post stuff. I don't really get involved in the whole Facebook thing because, you know, it's just, it's not good. (laughs) Terrible. I know, I know. Look, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. We'll get you on in a couple of weeks when we're through State of Origin and we're back to whipping everybody and we've got the the update on what the stadium's going to look like. They're mm. starting to confiscate all of the bronze from people's houses so they can build a big statue of Roy Simmons and, um, oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for coming on and thank you for running the Instagram account and we will catch everyone very soon. <laughs>